Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode, and this is Recode Replay. Here's an interview from the stage of the 2017 Code Media Conference in Dana Point, California. You can find full coverage of all the speakers of the conference on recode.net. Let's talk about awesomeness. Let's start with your ownership structure, which I think nobody understands correctly, and neither do I. So you're owned by, you were owned by DreamWorks. Yes which then sold to Comcast. And so Comcast is your most owner, but then you sold a big chunk to Verizon and then Hearst is floating around in there somewhere, right? Um, close, yes. Okay, in, right. Not in that necessarily that order, but... Right. Um, so you sold your company four times. Sold the company to DreamWorks. Right. I sold the company to DreamWorks mm-hmm. early on, um, which was probably one of the best things to ever happen to the company because Jeffrey Katzenberg was just... He, he was like rocket fuel for the company. Mm-hmm. He, he really got it going from where it was. Um, and then we took on Hearst as an investor uh, about a year into that because we were going to get into, we are into the mom space. Mm-hmm. And we figured we were going to leverage the, the Hearst magazines and the footprint of all, all those women and start mm-hmm. something called Awestruck, which has been working really well for us. Okay, so that was that part. And then woke up. Um, and we made a deal with Verizon. We were making you content. You woke up, they arrived uh, with a bag of money, and then... Uh, and we were making content for Ver- Verizon that was doing really well, and they made an investment in the company as well, and then the Comcast transaction happened, so Comcast picked up DreamWorks part of the, of the company, so, so they own 51% of the company, 51%. and Comca- uh, Verizon and Hearst have the other half. But it's within, it's within Comcast. At the same time. They're, they're the controlling, they're controlling shareholder. Control. Okay. Yeah. So, so you, you work with a lot of people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, how, that's amazing to sell your company four times. That's an astonishing thing. Um, I don't look at it as like I sold it for. I, I feel like I sold it once mm-hmm. and then the other transactions happened. All right. Yes. Let's talk about where it is because a lot of people are circling the space that you've been in for a while. Um, people talk about the millennial watcher. You're aimed at millennials or Gen Z? Or Gen Z completely. Gen Z completely. Um, and how it happened was, you know, I've been a producer and director of, of film and television for a pretty long time, and I've always been And you were a child star, correct? Yes, thank you. Okay. I had a lot more hair. Okay. Yes. Um, Head of the class. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, so I'd always been making programming in sort of the teen space, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it be Smallville or One Tree Hill for the WB or my shows on Nickelodeon or movies like Varsity Blues and and so on. Mm -hmm. So I recognize that the studios and and both the networks had started to ignore this space. Just about the same time, uh, the whole YouTube ecosystem was exploding. So when we started Awesomeness, it was really, for me, I just wanted to set out to build a brand for this audience and sort of try to super serve them where they weren't being served mm-hmm. and where they were consuming the most, which was digital, digital and, and on YouTube at the time. Right. So when you're talking about not being served, there's always been aiming at young people, but it sort of supercharged itself with digital distribution. There, there has been, but, but there was a time, and I think there still is, a drought that, you know, movies became four-quadrant movies. So. When I made Varsity Blues, there was like a teen movie every six months, every eight months. Go look at a wide release now that's just aimed at teens, for teens. They're, they're usually indies and small movies. They're not big studio movies. So that happened. And then something happened on network television. You know, the WB had a really good lane with Dawson's, Dawson's Creek and mm-hmm. Smallville and One Tree Hill and these shows. And you know, someone woke up one day and said, well, we should get older. Because they probably got older. It's easier to sell right. 
advertising, you know, those CPMs are higher and all mm -hmm. that makes great business sense, but it sort of left the door wide open for us. For this, for this area. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about, one of the things, this quote you gave, this is a quote that I, I, I'll be honest, I don't understand in any way, but I'll say, our goal is to be the media company of the future where content and distribution go hand in hand. That's a, a lot of somewhat meaningless words. So could you give me? I don't even know if I said that. So. Yeah, you did. Um, well, okay, I, I might have said fake that. news. I don't uh, care. Fake news. Um, I, think, I think what that means for us is when, when we started Awesomeness, we didn't have marketing money, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't have media dollars to mm -hmm. open, like, you know, he has $30 million to make a movie. We were uh, a scrappy brand on YouTube. And how do you build an audience? Um, and it was our content that ultimately was our marketing. And right. that's how we look at it. So our content is our marketing, and our marketing sort of is our content. Right. Um, and the way we look at marketing today still, even though we have like $4 to spend on marketing instead of no dollars today, um, you know, in, in the old days, or you know, you're trying to open a movie, you'd spend a bunch of media dollars to build awareness over here, right, to, for mm -hmm. whatever audience you're trying to reach. And then on the, on the far right, whatever that outcome that you're trying to drive into, whether mm -hmm. it's to see a movie or a TV show or buy a pair of sneakers, what have you. But today, in the middle, you have this big social sphere, right, right. whether that's YouTube or Facebook or Snapchat or et cetera. Um, we, because we didn't have any money over here, just had to play in the middle, right? right? We had to engage our audience in the middle, and then hopefully we got them to wherever we wanted to watch a piece of content for us. Um, and I think actually even today, even if you have the $30 million to spend to open You have movie, to be in that space. If you're not in the middle, you're dead. Well, let's talk about that because there's been a lot of you know, studies showing that Facebook now is the number one purveyor of news in this country. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a place where most people get their news. People get content on Amazon, on Netflix, and stuff like that. But in, in Snapchat has done all kinds of mm -hmm. deals. How do you look at those spaces? Because they're still not quite where they need this, the same thing as a big movie opening or a television network. Or maybe you don't think that. Well, we have a movie opening March 3rd, our mm -hmm. first Y theatrical release. It's a movie called Before I Fall that we took to Sundance. Um, and you know, we're looking at our campaign T certainly we're buying TV because everybody buys TV to open a movie. Sorry, what's Before I Fall about? Uh, it was a YA novel mm -hmm. about a young girl who, sort of a group of mean girls, friends, and, and they don't do, they're not living their life right. Okay. Um, and Classic. A, a tragedy happens right. and the girl wakes up in a Classic. Groundhog Day way and keeps reliving the same day over and over again until she gets it right. Okay. And it sort of has a twisty, tragic ending. Oh. Um, it, was, it was a pretty big book, and Zoe Deutsch is the star of the movie. And the movie plays great. We got great reviews out of Sundance. We're really excited mm -hmm. for our little YouTube company to have a, a wide theatrical release. So why did you do that? Why did you make that? You're talking about playing in the middle in the social media space pretty much as being right. the entire marketing thing. How do you? Well, I'll tell you why. We started making movies a couple of years ago. And uh, our first movie was a movie called Expelled, mm -hmm. um, which we spent $600,000 to make the movie, mm -hmm. and it was a very, it was a Ferris Bueller's Day Off uh, story, and we cast a big social media star named Cameron Dallas in the movie. Mm -hmm. One of our, our best video, viral video makers wrote and directed the movie. I think Alex Goyette was 22 or 23 years old when he did this. Um, read the movie, said, go make it. Uh, we put the movie out on three screens, mostly as marketing, mm -hmm. to your point, and that movie debuted uh, on iTunes that Tuesday uh, 
as the number one movie on iTunes in the regular movie category. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Freaked people out. The studios were like, where did this movie come from? And this is like December 10th, by the way, where, right, where all the home right. video releases are coming in. We stayed in the top 10 for you know, several weeks. It was very successful for us financially. Um, but, and that's fine, making money is all good. But the reason I realized we should continue to do this mm -hmm. was when I went to the premiere of Expelled, and 20th Century Fox does our digital distribution at the time because of DreamWorks, and the Fox logo came up and the audience was silent, but then the Awesomeness Films logo came up, mm -hmm. and the, all the kids in the audience applauded our logo. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me of when I made, one of my first movies was a movie called Varsity Blues, which was an MTV film. Right. The same exact experience. The MTV logo came up and the audience cheered before anything, if the right. title of the movie came up, anything happened. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Jen, Gen Z is into Rupert Murdoch, but that's just no, my guess. No, but they are, they are into brand, right. right? So it made me realize that, wow, our movies, our logo, what we're doing, our content definitely has a connection and we're engaging them. So talk about where, that's, where does that manifest itself then? Because I'm, I'm thinking of like all these different, um, I guess, what I, how is it different? Because the, the story you just told, you, know, you have guidance, which is about a guidance counselor dealing yes. with with the photos of a, of a kid that go around the school. Yep. An experience I just had in my own kid's school, which was delightful, I can tell you. Um, same thing, like dirty photos. Right, and that was drawn from a real life experience. Right. So. I think every parent now has that real life experience. Yep. Um, you know, you had guidance, you've got freakish, they all go to different places. How do, you, how do you look at that when you're figuring out what content, and is it that different? I mean, guidance feels like Gossip Girl to me. Yep, you great, know. thank you. Okay. That's, that's a compliment for yeah. sure, yeah. Um, XOXO, but go ahead. <laughs> so I, again, like I said, I, I've always been making shows in this demo. Right. You know, I'm, I'm an old man now, I shouldn't be, but um, I've always had a love for making this demo uh, content for this demo. So when we look at what we make at Awesomeness, I'm interested in giving this audience like different um, values, different things for, for, and to see themselves on screen, really, because they are not represented. It's amazing right. that this generation, which you know I view as probably the most influential generation ever, mm -hmm. is not really represented that much. This is Z, not Z, not Z. Yeah, because no one can stop talking about the friggin' millennials. But I actually, I would. <laughs> I say we should stop. I would tell you we should stop because they are becoming less and less influential on mm -hmm. pop culture, for okay. sure, okay. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so that's kind of what we do and why we do what, right, what we talking do. Talking about this generation, and I wanna know how you make, the, what do they want? What, are, what is this generation like, supposedly? I, I'm a little bit, I don't really feel that necessarily people fit into these boxes, yeah. but they do kind of. They're way more serious than millennials. Okay, um, well, that would be easy. They're, yes. <laughs> They're, they're the low bar. way more socially conscious. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they represent um, multicult a multicultural society, you know, different races, different religions, different sexuality. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in our work, in our content, I hate that word content, in our shows, um, we kind of try to really represent that, you mm -hmm. know. Um, they're, they're very concerned about their jobs and their future. They're extremely, extremely engaged with what's going on in this country politically right now. Oh yeah, um, for sure. And, I want to talk about that a little bit and how you deal with it. feel that in, yeah. a, in a big way. Um, and what's really cool about Gen Z that I think is, is the coolest part is that they're not just 
consumers of content, mm -hmm. they are creators of content. Mm -hmm. And they love to create. And you know, most of them are uploading, you know, whether it's just a Snapchat video, mm -hmm. because in a way you could argue that that's content creation, sure. or they're actually making videos that they're posting on YouTube and other places. Um, and that's exciting. So, um, and if you speak to them in an authentic way, they will be loyal to you. So when you talk about speaking authentic, what does that mean? Do you have to be on certain, do you have to be on, like go through each of the platforms, Facebook? For sure. I mean, people will say uh, that Facebook isn't as relevant, but for, for teen girls, it's still pretty relevant. Teen girls, because my sure. son wouldn't be caught dead on Facebook. He's not a teen girl. No, he's not. No. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> we're from San Francisco and you yes. can date a goat there and we're just there you fine I um, call San Francisco alternative facts. Like when you walk, just briefly, right after the election, which everyone was horrified in San Francisco, I was sort of feeling bad. I walked outside, and there was a guy on the street, completely naked, swinging away, and, and I was like, oh, thank God for San Francisco. It's going to keep going. But, uh, <laughs> you could do a series on him, it would be cool. Uh, we um, could. Uh, so, how do you, so Facebook, so teen girls. For Facebook. sure. Um, obviously, Snapchat. Right Snapchat. now, number one. Right now, why most why, usage. They're going public. Why right now? Is that like well, because change? I just I have a, a 18 and 17 year old boys and a mm -hmm. two and a half year old girl. Um, and and you know in my house for sure all their friends for sure. But Snapchat. we know the data from our audience and what we do on Snapchat. The usage is incredible. So how does that develop? Because I'm just because they're about to go public. They're obviously super popular. Same in my house. Snapchat is that Snapchat and Instagram are everything as far as I yep. can tell. Um, how, does, how does Snapchat manifest itself? Is it just a marketing tool or a watching tool? For us, mm -hmm. um, it's both, right? We definitely use it for marketing, but we're making content on Snapchat. Now, as a, as a guy who grew up making film and television, that is something that's not easy to wrap my head around. It's right. very different. You know, what does content mean on Snapchat? But I also think they've done an incredible job of pivoting from you know, an app that, basically a messaging app, mm -hmm. to really being a, a platform that media is consumed on. And so how do you look at that when you look at a Snap, when you're making something for Snapchat? Give me an example. Well, it's certainly shorter than, mm -hmm. you know, we went from YouTube that was short for me to begin with to really short on Snapchat. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean sight, sound, and motion, too. It could just be, a, you know, still or... Um, any kind of communication is content on Snapchat. It's not necessarily video dialogue. And so that's more sound. for marketing then, to get them to the no, large? But, but yes, but I go back to like, our content is marketing in a way, and mm -hmm. our marketing is content. And, and those lines blur all the time in our company. All right. You know? and, but Facebook, again, you don't imagine putting full movies on there or things like that, or do you? One day, soon, I bet, for sure. They've been talking about it. I, I, for sure, mm -hmm. I, I, I think so. Now, what about Instagram? No, I think Instagram is definitely shorter, and you know, Instagram, it's, it's interesting, Instagram's starting to feel more and more, obviously like Snapchat, but I could see Instagram feeling more and more well, like YouTube. they copy YouTube. everything, so that's right. why. But, it, but it, it starts to feel more and more like YouTube every day, and YouTube is still a place, like that's our home hub, that's where we're programming mm -hmm. uh, our, our longer content. And where does day. Google have to go with YouTube? Because you know, Susan Wojcicki's running it. What, what, do they, what do they need to do, you as a content maker? Sometimes it feels like all the library books thrown on the floor there and hard to find. And... I think that's exactly right. I, I, I hope that the time comes where 
you know, obviously YouTube is built on UGC content, right? Mm -hmm. Most of it is UGC yeah. content, and then music is a big part of it. But for guys like us who are really programming it and trying to do more and more premium content, it feels like there needs to be a separate way to discover our content, because it's, it's really hard to discover our content mm -hmm. on YouTube. Um, and if you were it, running that, what would you do? You would get me in trouble. No, um, it's all right. I would do, well, that for mm -hmm. sure, right? I think. So a separate it, YouTube premium kind of. Well, listen, I'm not an engineer, but I don't quite, I know it's a big ship to turn around, but I don't quite understand why they don't give premium content a better home, a better place to be discovered. You know, and look mm -hmm. at the, like a Netflix homepage, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And hopefully yeah. one day they will. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm been sure a long time. Will. It's been a long time. Yes. It's because they're robots or aliens. That's really pretty much why. No, honestly, I have these discussions. I had a dinner with um, Richard Plepler and Susan Wojcicki sitting next to each other, and it was the most hysterical conversation going back. He kept saying, I make all my decisions right from here. And he kept pointing to his groin, which was disturbing. <laughs> And she was like, well, I work for a robot who believes in algorithms, and that's how we make our, you know, it was right. really interesting. And I'm somewhere in between. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Um, so where else do you imagine it going, then, where these people are? Is it VR? Is it, you know, Facebook has Oculus, which has had a rough, sort of a rough road? Um, I think VR is definitely, for the gaming business, obviously a, a, mm -hmm. a big opportunity. Uh, to be quite honest, you know, I said this at the upfronts uh, this year that you know everybody was making big VR announcements, and the first thing I said was, "I am not here to talk about VR because we're not there yet." And why not? Because I don't think our storytelling necessarily lends itself to VR today. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Why is it? What does lend itself to VR? I think besides gaming games, but is why doesn't? What's the problem? I think maybe like horror movies would be amazing. It's action, horrible. yeah. Action. You yeah. know, we're not. We're telling. Gossip Girl-like stories, right? Mm -hmm. We're really telling scripted, talky stories that don't really lend itself. I mean, you could watch it in VR. I don't think it adds to it. You could, so. could you do it with Freakish or something like that? Freakish would be a show, for this is, sure. This is a it's a scary show. show. Freakish is like The Walking Dead meets The Breakfast Club, so yes. <laughs> do you actually sit in meetings and say things like that? All I the time. I would love to be in that I make that stuff up all okay, the time. For, we should do a show. That's how that show happened. Yeah? yeah. Someone just said that? I think it was me, yes. God. <laughs> I love Hollywood so much, so much. <laughs> Wish I was here more. Um, so let's talk about the political implications, because you talked about this idea of this is a group super interested in politics. And I know my kids are obsessed with the election, and, and they're young. Um, talk about how you then program in that environment. Well, I've kind of been urging our company to really move this way for the last year. And mm -hmm. it's mostly because, obviously, I care about what's going on. I'm very impacted by it personally. but. In my house, my 18 and 17 year old, I don't know if this is an indication of how I am as a father in a bad way or not, but up until this past year, you know, all we talk about is basketball. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, we've grown up talking about sports and, and, and mm -hmm. stuff, and for all of a sudden, all of our conversation with my two boys is politics. Yeah. And it's about what's going on, and they're very concerned, um, and they want to talk about it. So right. I just know that if my kids want to talk about it so much, that my, my audience wants to talk about it too. Well, it's kind of like the purge meets the Kardashians right now, right? I mean, that's pretty much. I could totally that's be a, a good Hollywood. Pitch. Thank you. You want a job? <laughs> yeah, I know that's good. I was just thinking. Can I write that down? Sure, go ahead. It's okay. all yours. Uh, unless you make millions off it, then everyone saw what happened here, and you'll have to pay me after yes. an extensive I have, lawsuit. I have no problem. Okay, um, but but it is. It's like that. There is kind of a. Yes, and. and 
Look, I think because we do live in so, such a, a multicultural world and that, you know, my friend, my kids, friends, parents, you know, they have two fathers and two mothers and, mm -hmm. you know, every, I, my biracial kids, my wife's African-American, I have, you know, three beige kids in my house. Mm -hmm. um, so you're a Benetton ad? I am a Benetton ad. Mm -hmm. My wife's a Benetton ad. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't be in the ad. She's better looking. But um, I, I think that they, they're living this world that is being, is scared. Is scared about the rhetoric that's going on, and they're they're confused by it. Mm -hmm. And um, so, like we, uh, the UTA, one of the agencies in, in Hollywood, uh, decided to cancel their Oscar party. Yeah, uh, the other huge day. huge sacrifice. Go ahead. I wanted to go. I wanted to go to the party. Uh, resist. Um, but we decided, like, <laughs> we are going to resist no too. No kombucha tonight. Uh, we're gonna we we forgave our uh, Friday afternoon pokeballs also, and mm -hmm. we're closing awesomeness to join that right. rally right. and sort of getting all our stars and all our our employees. And I will tell you that was one of the first company wide emails that I sent out that we're gonna do this and join the rally. It was the biggest response that I have ever personally gotten to anything we've right. done. Our you know, we have mostly 20-somethings working at Awesomeness, 400 of them, uh, give or take. And the day after the election, it was a morgue in our office. And it mm -hmm. took many days to recover. So how does that manifest in content? Do you think that's effective? I know on our site, all the political stuff is going crazy, like anything, you know. For sure. When I wrote a piece called Trump of Thin Skin, it, millions of people. <laughs> I loved it. And I loved writing it, but um, but more to the point, it, it, how do you how do you manifest? I mean, I think about how we do that all the time. Well, it's interesting. We haven't been a news organization, so to right. speak. Like we do really fluffy Hollywood, like you know, what's Justin Bieber drinking kind of news. But what is um, that? What's he drinking? I don't know. Okay. Um, but I think we're going to take a shift. That's going to shift because the you know an audience that really wasn't that interested is now really interested. So what does that mean? What do you imagine doing? I think we need to cover what's going on through the eyes of our consumer, through mm -hmm. our, our audience, not necessarily through mine or your eyes. But, um, and that can manifest itself in different ways. I know like a lot of the protests early on, if you looked at mm -hmm. the faces in the crowd, there was a ton of teenagers out there. Mm -hmm. you know, and I want to be able to tell their stories. I want to understand what they're worried about, what they're concerned with. And I think if we could tell those stories in different ways, whether it's straight news or docs or even scripted stuff, like I had a crazy idea for a scripted show, which I'm not gonna tell you now, but there's ways to do it um, okay. that, that I think we really not only owe it to our audience to pursue, but I think they want it. Do you imagine moving into news? Well, like I said, we do really fluffy, horrible news now, mm -hmm. entertainment news, mm -hmm. because it's, our audience cares about these stars, but mm -hmm. I, think, um, I think it could start to take a different slant. We could have a different home on our, on our sites for this uh, information. Right, but there is a lot that in that news area, because that would be where you'd go if you're going to politics, sort of. I mean, you could do scripted shows and things like that, but it moves pretty quickly into news. Yep. Uh, I actually wanted to do a show, I'm gonna tell you. I wanted right, okay. to do a show right. about a, a high school in a small town two years from now. Oh. Where the entire climate has changed and, and it got all of mine and your biggest fears have started to come true. So Nazi uniforms, the whole thing? Not Nazi, right. not, not as far, right. but, but, sorry. but- Brown shirts, I'm sorry. But close, like, you know, 
it's divided. People have been locked up. There might mm -hmm. be internment camps. Whoa. Those kind of things have That's happened. It's a bummer, but go ahead. And yeah. I just, you know, and I think our audience would be really interested in that, and obviously yeah. it would make a great dramatic show. Yeah. So wow. That was the, Red Dawn, by the way. Yes. Patrick Swayze. <laughs> I think I was in that movie. No. Were you? I think I auditioned. You're the kid with the gun. You didn't yeah. get it. Yeah. They're all, they're all the kids had guns in that um, movie. But yeah, I mean, I think there's just interesting ways to play with what's going on. Uh -huh. But not in going into news or other things. How do you expand that? If you're, are you going to stay in that feature? Because I'm thinking there's so much going on. There's Mike, there's Vice News Tonight, there's all kinds of stuff happening. We're an entertainment a it, brand. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with untucked shirts, pretty much, that I can tell. But what, uh, I mean, that's the and look. facial hair. Facial hair. And tattoos. And a lot of fidgeting. Yes. Um, but how do, you how do you imagine you're going to morph then your your content, like five years, let's pretend we're not gonna go into living in, in a version of Nazi Germany in the future. How do you envision content happening in, in two, five years range? Well, I think, you know, obviously distribution of traditional mm -hmm. distribution has been completely upended. And right? done. And, and, and done. And for us, look, in four years, I mean, we started as a YouTube channel four years ago today you know, we do about 40 shows a week. We're on 30 different platforms, you know, doing 10. Either Hulu or YouTube or Netflix, Netflix. movies, all of it. Um, and we've set out to build a brand, not unlike 30 years ago when cable started and ESPN mm -hmm. and Nickelodeon and MTV were born. So for us, it's just about continuing to make great content for Gen Z mm -hmm. that builds the brand. I think as the cable world unbundles and we get to skinny bundles and whatever over the top looks like, and you know, the linear clock is gonna be blown up, obviously. We're not gonna mm -hmm. see that anymore. I think we're hopefully poised to sort of be in that ecosystem in some sort of dual revenue stream with the big guys. And where do you imagine the most of your content is gonna be? Is it gonna be on, the, is it gonna be on a television? It's gonna on be mobile. A mobile, on the phone. I mean, yes, for sure. Yeah. How old are your kids? 15 and 12. Okay, so my 17 year old now, he would just, doesn't mind laying in bed and watching a movie. Yeah, at this point. It drives me insane. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's his it's his thing. It's what what they like to do. So I think mobile on the go, short form content for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, our movies, our longer form content, sure, they'll be on a on a bigger screen, but they certainly are not going to be on a clock. They're all going to be on demand. Right. Um, and that's the fun about what we're doing. You know, we've been able to disrupt the traditional big guys mm -hmm. by super serving an audience that's been underserved. Um, and Except know. that you have investments from all the big guys, which is interesting, correct? I'm happy to take yeah, their money to of course. make our money. We brand. all are happy yeah. to take their money. Yes. Um, so, thank you, NBC. Um, so oh, that's when, right. when you're when, in the film. Uh, yeah. I forgot about that. I sold myself twice, so well, I'm not up to your How do you feel? Standard. Good, real good, good about okay. it. <laughs> Um, I'd like to sell myself again soon. That would be a goal. Um, but I'm not in charge of that part um, anymore. I just urge them all the time. I like send texts, sell, sell, <laughs> sell. Um, so um, when you think about watching on the, tel uh, on the thing, you guys did Go90. Yes, we make, we're one of the biggest content suppliers. Is, is Go90 gone? What? No, 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 no. no, no, no. Talk, talk about it. Because definitely it's, not gone. We're making a ton of content right. for it. But it's, it's not been the success that... Oh, I think it's really slow, slow going. All right. And I think they've definitely, you know... What does slow going mean? Just... I think the audience is small right mm -hmm. now, but growing for sure, especially over the last uh, six months. Um, you know, they, they've pivoted the product a lot. Yes, there's a lot of But I could tell you, like, our, our content 
is probably some of the most watched content on the platform, mm -hmm. even more so than like the NBA and the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, so it just shows that like this younger demo that we super serve are the ones playing with it and consuming it. And we've actually been able to drive a lot of downloads of the app. Um, but I think it's early days. Okay. I would not, I, I think the whole AOL, Yahoo of it all and their plan sort, <laughs> sort of like turn the pipe yeah. onto it. And are you the, looking forward to that deal if it ever consummates itself? Me personally? Like in 2026? I, um, I hope they conclude it. I, yeah. I don't know what it's gonna really mean to us, but. Yeah. What it, do you imagine? I can't imagine well, a lot of your Gen Z's are on Yahoo at this moment, I'm guessing. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Maybe it'll become retro interesting. Maybe. No. Maybe. No. 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 Um, but I think, I think the, the story really hasn't been written on so what you, the you final. So you still feel. So last question, and then we'll get to some questions from the audience. Of all the different players, what, I mean, now you have the phone companies in here, you have the cable companies in here, you've got Netflix, and then you have Amazon and Google playing over here, and then Apple's sort of wandering over here, and it's clear they're going to make some kind of move. Who do you think the critical players are right now, and who do you imagine they're going to be? Well, Apple for sure. I can't wait, actually, as a lover of the products for them to be in the content business. I mm -hmm. think it's a no-brainer. I don't, you know, I, I'm sort of confused at why they're really not in it yet. Yeah. I mean, they certainly have. Because I think they're probably confused. We'll ask Eddie tonight. I right. can't. Well, I'm staying for that. Okay. I want to hear. Um, I, look, I think... Obviously, Disney and Comcast are probably the behemoth media companies and have done the best job at sort of building these great vertically integrated machines. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Netflix and if they stay independent or if they don't, mm -hmm. and then how Hulu survives from in, in the ecosystem from there. Um, Who would buy Netflix? Not me. Okay, I get that. Um, uh, I think any, I don't, I, I think... Apple, Disney, all of them could potentially do it, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think for us, though, it's a great time to be um, a brand in this ecosystem because we're able to deliver audience. We can move our audience around to all these platforms, and that's sort of what makes our content valuable. Right. Um, so the more buyers for us, the more people wanting to mass audience and need content. So you like lots of buyers. We like lots of buyers and we like lots of platforms, mm -hmm. you know, which is different than the old days, yeah. right? Do you think yeah. Hollywood gets it now? They no. No. I Why really don't. Um, I think they're starting to get it, but what's interesting to me, and I spent a lot of time, you know, talking to the traditional players, it, I, I think it's really hard for a big company to start little things mm -hmm. and then let them grow. Right. Like we could have never grown awesomeness. If I didn't sell the company to Jeffrey Gassenberg and I sold it to one of the other ones because he was a well, small company and an entrepreneurial others, company, yeah. right? You, you just, I don't know why, but it's sort of like, it's the end of it. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot nurture a little company. You can't grow it inside a big company. Yeah, it's too comfortable or something. Yeah. So they can't do, they can't do, you just don't think they've gotten it. I yet. think they can. I think they know what they have to do being able to execute on it and move those big ships around is a, is a whole nother yeah. thing. It's I like, just had a, had a media executive to ask me if the internet was over yet. <laughs> is it? No. Okay. <laughs> no, it's moving its way. It's decimating throughout society and continues to yeah. do so. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's, and then it's hard to give up that revenue. You know, they're holding on to these big revenue streams. It's hard to let go. Absolutely. So. All right, questions from the audience? Bring the thing. Questions, please. Rise. Couldn't have asked all of them. Here you go. 
I'll break the ice again. Um, Jason Peterson at Go Digital. You guys started out as a multi-channel network on YouTube, and you spoke extensively about all the different platforms you're now working with, so I would characterize you as a multi-platform network. Could you, I guess, provide um, some visibility for the audience into which platforms matter most to you, maybe sort of a prioritized list of, of which platforms are contributing the most to your business? Great question. Right. Well, we did start as an MCN. I mean, that was part of our business, but we always were more trying to build a brand than be a, a multi-channel network. Um, but today, I'd say that YouTube is still a big part of our business. I don't, I'm not saying it's the most important part, but it's still where we program vigorously. Is that where the most revenue comes from? We do a lot of branded content on, on YouTube, um, so yes. I mean, IP, the, the business of old-fashioned IP is still our biggest revenue stream. But I'd say YouTube and then Snapchat is a close second with Facebook, depending on what it is we're trying to do. And, you know, for us, the, it's not like we take the same content and just spread it around. We, each one of these platforms we program very specifically. So the content that we put on YouTube has nothing to do with the content the way we're programming Facebook or Snapchat. So... You know, all three, it's, it's YouTube, Snapchat, Facebook, kind of Anything very up and coming? Um, like we're playing with Kick, which is a messaging app, and how to like... Is it Kick? Yeah. Yeah, and, and play, you know, experimenting with content on about messaging China apps. About China WhatsApp. Or not WhatsApp, I'm sorry. We're not really, we haven't really, really played with content in China yet at all. And mm -hmm. I think that's something that's next. Yeah. Um, but we have been, our, internationally, we're, we've... We have about five local language uh, awesomeness TVs. And what about we, uh, WhatsApp? That's more. No, we have no. Nothing no, on the community because no. they're going to start to really. For sure. Get For sure, and we're seeing interesting traction on on Kick. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, that is an interesting. Go ahead, Pete. Uh, Peter Kafka, Recode. I've heard uh, of you. <laughs> uh, good to show people how to ask questions from the audience. Um, Brian, your your audience used to be people, or in the old days, your audience would be hanging out at Viacom properties. Nickelodeon, MTV. Ooh, good um, Viacom is now trying a turnaround. Um, do you think Viacom is specifically something that can be turned around, or does it have to just be put down? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think they have to be put down. Here, here's the thing. I mean, you're, if you ask me that question, I'm very biased because I grew up making shows at Viacom, so all my early shows were at Nickelodeon and MTV. Um, so I'm very partial to those brands, and I still think that those brands have great value, especially Nick and MTV globally. Um, but it's, it's, they're in a tough place, right? Because the, the audience that stood for MTV and even you know, the younger ones, Nick, aren't watching linear television. They're just not, I mean, they watch, but they don't watch in the same way. So On demand. I think it's, it's a tough, they're in for a, a tough ride, and it goes back to what you were saying, is how quickly can you let go of all this money from the MVPDs up here to go after where the audience is down here? Because we all know the audience is you know, mostly engaging in digital, mostly engaging in the platforms that we were just talking about, but the money is not there for them right now. That dual revenue stream is not there. So Is that correct what he said about you, you have to have the young people who, won't, who will work for cheap rather than established stars? or? Well, yeah, I mean, most of our shows, we're, we're dealing with young talent that aren't big actors. We're, we're able to make really high-quality shows like Freakish mm -hmm. for, you know, 
a quarter of what I made Smallville for at, at the WB, or maybe even less. Could you revive those brands? Those those he's talking about. Yes, Peter. <laughs> Sorry, Kara. Is it something you could solve with programming, or is it you, the whole model has to get blown up? Look, I think programming is a big part of it. I, I think that invest, they're going to have to invest in programming for sure. You know, the days of like SpongeBob, 24 hours a day, you have one hit and you could just run it all the time, those days are over. And um, I think, especially on the MTV side, they're going to have to make a bigger investment in programming and have more velocity in the programming, for sure. You know, we're not, no one's watching repeats anymore. There's just too much content out there. So that, like the days of, and the cable still schedules like this and it blows my mind that like, you know, a whole day from eight o'clock in the morning till midnight, it'll be the same show Simpsons. running all day long. Um, I know why they do it and it's about driving a rating, but I don't think it's gonna build a brand. Thank you. Thanks. Good. Um, very last question. Jeff Katzenberg now has a fund. Yes. How do you think that's going to go? Jeff Katzenberg. I would not bet against him. As a VC. I would not, I would not bet against him. I think um, he's pretty fired up. Um, and I have a feeling he's going to do some pretty cool, cool things. And, and for this ecosystem, you know, the whole you need that, yeah. um, collision of, of technology and media, I think he's very focused on it. And I, I think he's going to do some cool stuff. Great. Terrific. Thanks. Brian. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. You can find all the podcasts from Code Media and our other conferences at iTunes.com slash Recode Replay. Or just go to Recode.net for full coverage of the Code Media Conference. If you like this sort of interviews, then good news. We do interviews just like them every week on Recode's free podcasts. I host Recode Decode and co-host Too Embarrassed to Ask with Lauren Good of The Verge. And the producer of Code Media, Peter Kafka, has new interviews with the smartest people from the media world every Thursday on Recode Media. You can find all these shows on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Or just go to recode.net slash podcasts.